Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. I am Greg Littmer, one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I've entitled this episode, Conduct of Matters. One of my very favorite books in the New Testament is the book of 1 John. In it, John attacks a prevalent first century philosophy that was known as Gnosticism. Without going into a great deal of detail, Gnosticism basically regarded evil as an ever-present characteristic of matter, all matter, and therefore those who held to this view were unable to accept the doctrine of the Incarnation, the assumption of flesh on the part of the Lord. Gnostics believed that it was impossible for sinless deity to occupy a material body. John addressed that false view directly in 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, when he wrote the following, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. The majority of Gnostics embraced the following idea. Inasmuch as they regarded their bodies as evil, they concluded that their spirits were independent of them, and thus could not be defiled by anything the body did. Consequently, they could live lives of unrestrained indulgence, do whatever they wanted to, whatever they desired, on the grounds that a precious jewel might be laying in a dung heap, but it was still a precious jewel, as if it were laying in a fancy costly box. They believed that it was inevitable that their bodies would sin, and nothing they could do could change that. So, with such a clear and distinct separation between body and spirit, they were free to indulge in whatever they wanted to without any spiritual consequence. In the early church, some held to this view, and some today act like they do as well. The letter of 1 John repeatedly makes the point that conduct does matter. Let's consider 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10. through 10. John wrote these words, This then is the message we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. John's point is profoundly simple. 
Do not claim fellowship with God and Christ, but then walk in an ungodly way. God is light, not a light or the light, but simply light. That is his essence. It is what he is. Now, I don't understand all that that means, but I know that he is the father of light, according to John 1.17. I know that he is the creator of light, Genesis 1.3. I know that he is bathed in perpetual light, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16. And I know that it is in his marvelous light that Christians are to walk, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And I also know that light is used in Scripture to represent truth, purity, holiness, and goodness. And I know that dark is used as a figure of ignorance, superstition, and sin. And I know that, using it in that sense, there is no darkness in God, none at all, not even one tiny particle. With this being true, how could anyone say that they have fellowship with God and walk in sin? It reminds me of Paul's rhetorical question in 2 Corinthians 6, 14-16. He asks, For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Or what part is he that believes with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Do you not see the point? Conduct matters. A man's walk is his continual practice, his way of life. Paul talks about walking in newness of life in Romans 6, 4. Also to walk not after the flesh in Romans 8, 1. A person claiming fellowship with God, in other words light, yet walking in sinful ways, in other words darkness, has no fellowship with God. The Gnostics thought that they could do just as they pleased and continue in fellowship with God. However, the truth is that to think that we're not going to be held accountable for actions of the fleshly body is a spiritually fatal view, both then and now. In Christianity, doctrine and practice are inseparably connected. True saving faith always involves belief and obedience. If we keep on walking in the light, and that is present subjunctive, meaning that we must keep on walking in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. This walk must be as he is in the light, meaning God, and it is to walk in his righteousness to conform to his revealed will. Receiving the benefits of the blood of Jesus, that's conditional, and that is as true for the Christian as it is for the non-Christian. A Christian cannot live in sin. He or she must confess those sins and pray for forgiveness. One of the requisites of this walking in the light is that a Christian will confess his sins as he is able to comprehend and repent of them. God has always required a forgiveness of sins by the sinner as well as repentance as conditions for forgiveness. John clearly shows that conduct matters in 1 John chapter 2 verses 3 through 6 where we find the following. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby do we know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. John's point is simple. Those who claim to abide in Christ have the moral obligation 
that is the significance of ought in verse 6, to conduct themselves as the Lord did to the best of their ability. Even as he walked means in the light, in fellowship with God, keeping his commandments. The responsibility to make our walk equal to our claim is a consistent biblical principle. Paul wrote of it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, when he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Again, it's clear. Conduct matters. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, we read this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That to which we attach our affections dictates how we act. John wrote of three avenues of approach that Satan uses in his efforts to seduce us to sin, to make us love the world. They are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The word lust denotes strong desire, and it can be either good or bad depending upon its usage. As near as I can tell, lust is found 38 times in the New Testament, and only three times is it used in a good sense. All the other times, including here, it is used to refer to evil desires, anxious self-seeking. It is the lowest form of worldly indulgence, referring to an animalistic desire to fulfill appetites. The flesh that John was writing about is not pertaining to skin and bones, muscle and tissue. It is much deeper than that. Flesh in the sense of skin and bones can be used for both good or bad purposes. This is where the Gnostics got it wrong. They thought that skin and bones, muscle and tissue were inherently evil. But that's just not true. When John writes about flesh here, he's writing about the seat of evil desires. He is writing about uncontrolled fleshly desires and appetites. It is somewhat the idea of a man acting like an animal. Again, the point is made. Conduct matters. The lust of the eyes is an inordinate and ungodly desire for something that is seen, while the pride of life is simply prideful boasting over possessions, over achievements. It's the idea that I have mastery over my own life. All of those things are manifested in what we do, and what we do is a very good indication of what we are inside. Again, the point is made, conduct matters. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7, John wrote the following, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. I love this verse. The plain and simple truth is that one who practices righteousness is righteous just as the Lord claimed righteousness and lived it. It is important to understand that John is not teaching that the practice of righteousness is how one initially becomes righteous or justified. Rather, his point is that because a Christian has been begotten by God and is in the family of God, and that family practices righteousness, then the child of God is expected to practice righteousness as well. Again, the point is made. Conduct matters. Further, in 1 John 3, 17-18, we find, But whoso has this world's good, and sees his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how does the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, 
but in deed and in truth. If we say that we are children of God, it is our responsibility to act like it. We are to manifest in our lives the love of God, and that love is manifest in what we do. Love that is in word only and not accompanied by conduct that proves it is useless and hypocritical. Again, the point is made, conduct matters. Have you ever heard the old expression, charity begins at home? Well, love begins at home too. And the most important family that we have is our spiritual family. They are the people that we intend to be with eternally. Surely all of the teaching about conduct and its importance must begin at home with our spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ. We are bound together by the blood of the Son of God. How we treat each other matters. How we act toward one another. How we speak to or about one another. How we pray for each other is important. It all matters. And so we close this, this episode by saying simply, conduct matters.